the monitor in question, the monitor uh, who has been appointed here, is a retired federal district court judge. Her name is Barbara Jones. And in addition to being a former federal judge, she was once upon a time a federal prosecutor working on mob prosecutions in the New York in the 1980s. That was Matt Kelly. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds, the only podcast that takes a deep dive, literally going into the weeds to explore compliance or compliance-related topic. Today, we take up the Trump monitor order and the order from the trial judge requiring a new compliance role at the Trump organizations. We unpack it from the compliance perspective, look at some internal controls, and see how the new compliance asset at the Trump organization will report and aid the monitor. First, we're going to have a word from our sponsor, Ethico. In the intricate world of ethics and compliance, each second is precious, and slow case closures are more than just delays, they're missed opportunities. Enter Ethico. Our solution revolutionizes case management, cutting case closure times in half, and turning every challenge into a chance for improvement. Imagine a workspace where efficiency and compliance coexist harmoniously. Don't just dream of faster resolutions. Make it your reality. Visit ethico.com CPN today to book a demo and dive into our exclusive white paper by Tom Fox, 2023, the year in compliance. Empower your team with the tools they deserve. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly for another episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Welcome back, Matt. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. Matt, you were finally able to get a compliance angle for Citizen Trump. And it involves the case that the judgment was announced last week. And you managed to get a blog post out of it. Anyone who knows you should not be surprised by that. But the blog post is entitled Internal Controls for Trump, which, of course, will... uh, linked to in the show notes, what was the internal controls angle or what interested you about this? Well, Tom, what intrigued me was that when the judge in this case, I believe his name is Arthur Engeron, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. When Judge Engeron, he had already found Trump liable for fraud and the decision last week was just the amount of damages uh, and what the verdict there would be. It was $355 million in damages, which when you add in interest is actually closer to $450 million. It was a three-year bar, I think, on Trump serving as an officer at any New York incorporated company. Uh, him and his two sons, uh, Eric and Donald Jr., uh, and also that the Trump organization, which really is just, I, I don't know where Donald Trump begins and the Trump organization as a business ends, but they are essentially one and the same. The Trump organization must now hire a director of financial compliance to help uh, bring order to the chaos, otherwise known as the Trump organization's financial records. And this person will work very closely with the independent compliance monitor who has already been appointed and serving as a quasi overseer of the Trump organization for the last 18 months. So we will now have a compliance monitor and a financial compliance director. Um, And I was quite curious as to exactly what Judge Engeron said this person should do, um, the challenges he or she may face, um, who might actually do this job, um, and there are all sorts of fun little threads to, pl- to pull on here. Matt, could we start with the current monitor? 
Yes. Uh, this was an unusual step by the court to appoint a monitor pre-trial. And it, but it turns out that I think it was a prescient move by the court and the monitors issued at least one report. What did you see in the monitor issued report? The monitor in question, the monitor uh, who has been appointed here is a retired federal district court judge. Her name is Barbara Jones. Uh, And in addition to being a former federal judge, she was once upon a time a federal prosecutor uh, working on mob prosecutions in the New York in the 1980s. Uh, Tom, do you happen to know, trivia question here, the cases that she was involved in when she tried to bust up the New York mob way back when? John Gotti? Uh, She was working with the undercover FBI agent who went by the name Donnie Brasco and penetrated the Bonanno crime family. I will be honest, I'm not up on all of my mob lingo. I don't think Gotti was part of the Bonanno crime family or the Bonanno crime family, but she was involved in organized crime um, and breaking it up. Probably good background to deal with a organization as dysfunctional and fraudulent as the Trump organization. Um, But... Judge Jones, uh, she has been publishing reports, I think providing quarterly interim reports to the judge since her appointment. But at the end of January, she published to the public, I guess what we would call her first annual report, uh, where she did say that uh, the Trump organization executives whom she had to deal with were generally cooperative with her document requests. That said, and I will just quote her here, that um, the information provided to her, quote, has at times been lacking in completeness and timeliness. Um, And she has gone back and forth with the Trump organization uh, to review with them where the shortcomings are. And she said that generally they do promise at least to improve their processes for accuracy and fairness, uh, timeliness and transparency. Um, But, you know, another critical point here, Tom, that I think will factor back into uh, the director of financial compliance, Ms. Jones doesn't actually have enough purview to be able to look at the records and determine whether or not there is any fraud going on. And in particular, she is not allowed to uh, or able to see any Trump organization financial records before they are provided to a third party, such as an auditor or a bank looking to give a loan to Mr. Trump or anything like that. She doesn't get to see any of this ahead of time and evaluate whether it's accurate or not. So technically, um, the monitor, Judge Jones, cannot say what is or isn't fraudulent that may or may not be happening at the Trump organization. Clearly, they've already been found liable for fraud. Judge Engeron made that decision on his own, given all of the voluminous uh, evidence that there was. But the monitor wasn't able to look at that. She did spend a fair bit of time in her annual report just describing how the Trump organization actually works. Uh, It was originally, when she was appointed, a collection of 500 separate legal entities that are all owned by or subsidiary to the Donald Trump Revocable Trust. And if I am describing this accurately, I hope I am. Basically, all it is is that the operating entities out of those 521, the ones that actually generate revenue and profits, they shovel the cash into the revocable trust and the trust managers, who I presume are Mr. Trump and probably other people also named Trump and his close cronies. They would take the cash and then disperse it back out as necessary 
to all the other entities, which may or may not actually be operating companies that have revenue and expense. Some of these entities were just existing merely to be able to extend licensing deals. Some of them were to extend management deals. Uh, scores of these entities seem to have no purpose at all. Um, but Ms. Jones did say that it started at 521. As of, I think, the end of last year, in December, they had pruned that down to 415 separate entities. Still a mishmash of some of them are clearly operating companies. Some of them are licensing venues or holding companies, vehicles. Some of them, we don't seem to know. Nobody seems to know why they exist. Um, None of that strikes me as particularly odd, given Donald Trump and his long history of fraudulence and bankruptcy. So I'm not surprised by any of the stuff that Ms. Jones is describing, but what she is describing is kind of chaotic. Um, and then I could just get back to that point that the one thing she isn't actually allowed to do is to opine on whether or not the information she's seeing is fraudulent or is there fraud happening at the Trump organization still. Uh, she That is beyond the scope of her job. So, Matt. Uh, let's move now to the independent director of compliance. What did you see that interested you in Judge Agoron's, Goron's ruling? And how do we think about this in terms of a compliance monitor or an independent compliance monitor in uh, that the SEC might order? Well, so my reading of it in the actual ruling, Judge Engoron describes this as a director of compliance. But when you read through the duties, and I'll get to that in a moment, clearly this person would be a director of financial compliance akin to a director of SEC or external reporting or a director of SOX compliance. That's really what this person would do. And I think that's an important distinction to make because we do have that independent compliance monitor, and that is her title, uh, Judge Jones. She very much is a independent compliance voice, as most corporate compliance officers would envision it, where she's clearly about legal compliance, but she does not get into the um, minutia and the nuance of actual internal accounting controls. This other person, the director, I call it the director of financial compliance for clarity, they are going to get into that nuance and minutia. Um, I can even read off because the, what Judge Engeron describes for the role is only two sentences here. Uh, the court orders that an independent director of compliance be installed at the Trump organization who shall be responsible for ensuring good financial and accounting practices, shall establish internal written protocols for financial reporting, and shall also approve any financial disclosures to third parties in advance. And yes, he did emphasize in advance, right in his text. Uh, in advance of submission. And Tom, that part, I think, about approving the external disclosures to third parties in advance, that is important because, as we just mentioned moments ago, that's the part that Judge Jones doesn't really get to evaluate as a compliance monitor. Um, so she clearly says in her report, I cannot assess any fraud that may be happening or if these statements are fraudulent because she doesn't see them before they're presented to an outside party for something like a bank loan or to pass an audit. This person here, whoever gets hired, uh, they are going to look at those financial disclosures before they go out the door to a third party. So clearly this person will have a lot of responsibility for anti-fraud 
awareness and building anti-fraud procedures into the financial reporting. Uh, the order does say that this person shall report directly to Judge Jones and within 30 days of the decision, and we're already now, I think, like three days into the decision, so 27 days left, um, Judge Jones is supposed to submit to the court a proposed order, including um, the list of people who list of plausible candidates. I'm not clear on exactly who makes the final call. Is it the judge? I, I would guess so. But, you know, does he get a list of preferred names from Judge Jones and then he just picks the winner? Um, and this person, whoever it is, must be paid a decent and commensurate salary. And I did some back of the envelope searching around on LinkedIn. A director of financial reporting in New York these days is generally going to make somewhere around $160,000 to $180,000. Frankly, given the high profile of this job and the mess that you're probably going to get with working with the Trump organization, if anybody listening is going to apply, I would say stand your ground for at least two. But it looks like the market rate in New York is $160,000 to $180,000. I don't know, maybe hold out for some vacation time. Uh, just say it, it'll look great on your resume. Well, Tom, like that, there's no joking about that. This is going to be the professional experience of a lifetime for somebody. Um, you know, there are any number of people who could do this. I'm not clear on whether the monitor, Judge Jones, will try to hire a consulting firm such as one of the big four or a group like Protivity or CFGI or somebody else like that, where they would assign some senior consultant there on a, some kind of secondment arrangement to oversee Trump? Um, or will she hire a specific person? Um, I have no idea. I, and the names that I throw around in my post are by no means the exhaustive list. There are plenty of firms and people out there who could do this job. Um, but it is probably going to be a very high stakes pressure job. Uh, one person I know quipped that whoever gets this is probably going to need to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Okay, I'm going to take that seriously. I don't actually think that would be the case. I think that would be a terrible look and Judge Engeron would hit the roof if this compliance director, who he is ordered to be hired, is going to have to sign an NDA to work with Trump when he just got nailed for a gigantic fraud thing, which is at least, I don't know what the fifth or sixth either bankruptcy or fraud investigation that he's had in his career. I mean, the man is as shady as a den of thieves, and he's going to have an NDA for this court-appointed compliance director. I don't think that's going to fly. So somebody somewhere who's going to get this job, on the far side of it, you're going to have every single conference around, compliance conference is going to want to have you, or you could write a great book, or come on to our podcast and tell us the, the details. I would love to hear that story in the fullness of time. Well, I'm just going to put it out there, uh, compliance into the weeds. We are the podcast for you uh, to come on. So when you want to break the story, you have a standing invitation, whoever you may be. Absolutely. So Matt, from the, I really picked up several different points from the compliance perspective. Um, but I want to start with the title of your post, Internal Controls Come for Trump. Because you and I have talked about over the years, internal controls is the backbone of obviously financial reporting. I see it as the backbone of compliance as well. And it seems like the judge now and the monitor now see this. 
so that literally it will be building out a set of financial internal controls going forward, which then can be uh, tested um, and monitored going forward. Would, would that be the starting point? Um, I've been trying to figure out how somebody would even get started with this job. And uh, I think that the key point here from what Judge Jones has already said, and she is not a forensic accountant, but she's done an admirable job of trying to uh, encompass that view per part in her report. Um, you know, she talked a lot about inconsistent disclosures, basic block and tackle stuff that should be done that wasn't getting done in the Trump organization. I'll give you a quick example of the Trump organization uh, changed up how it calculated supposedly standard financial disclosures, such as EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. All public companies report EBITDA, um, and they all have to calculate it in a standard way. And if you don't, your audit firm will call you out on that inside of a minute. And to change up how you calculate EBITDA, there's no way the SEC would stand for that. And I have seen it many times. They have called out comment letters and they have escalated from there if you're playing fast and loose with how you calculate metrics. Well, the Trump organization was playing fast and loose with it. They were making errors in how they report cash flow and other sorts of metrics. Um, They are supposed to provide certifications, the Trump organization, They were supposed to be providing certifications to outside parties as part of their um, attestations about the accuracy of their financial health. So they'd be certifying that to their various lenders. Well, they were not consistently providing those certifications. Um, Even if they were, my question would be, how would Trump actually know? Because, I mean, clearly the man, I don't think he's grounded in reality, but he himself has said under oath during depositions that sometimes he determines his net worth based on what he feels mentally. How how do you do that? How do you certify to that? So there's a whole lot of lack of basics, I think, that this compliance director was going to uncover. Um, I have no idea how much the Trump organization has been trying to improve that since Judge Jones arrived as a monitor 18 months ago. I don't know if they will be more serious about it if Trump and his sons are removed from the organization. Uh, never mind that their longtime CFO, Alan Weisselberg, is currently, I believe, in jail because of his criminal, um, some one of his criminal a- activities here. And I don't even know which one it is anymore because there's so many trials around the Trump organization and Trump. But the longtime CFO, Weisselberg, he's not there. So, I mean, maybe there is an opportunity to right this ship. I can't believe I quite say that as if there's some way to redeem the Trump organization, but maybe there is. Um, but regardless of that, you know, whoever would want to take on this challenge, it is going to be quite a challenge. And if you actually like building effective systems of accounting control, here's your big chance, because it looks like they don't really have any at the Trump organization right now. Matt, this is one story I hope uh, we can follow and perhaps after the next monitor report or other public release of information, we can revisit this topic. I think so too, Tom. Thank you very much. This is Tom Fox again. The Compliance Podcast Network is sponsored by Ethico. Ethico provides compliance champions like yourself an ethics and compliance optimization system built to turn goals and guidelines into real ROI for your program. 
We've linked to Ethico in the show notes, but if you'd like more information, go to ethico.com slash CPN. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I'd like to tell you about an exciting new podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. It is the Compliance Tip of the Day. It is a short five-minute to 10-minute podcast, which gives you a compliance tip which you can incorporate into your compliance program or utilize to improve the overall effectiveness of your compliance program. Check out Compliance Tip of the Day on the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.